Hello. Welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. A podcast about, you know, jokes and those who tell them. I am your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. Each week, a comedian picks one of their jokes to play and discuss. This week, the comedian is Natasha Leggero, who you might know from the Comedy Central Roast or Another Period, the hilarious show she co-stars in and co-created with Ricky Lindholm. The joke she picked is the first in this podcast run to be about a previous guest. Her takedown of Burning Man is partly about her husband and future Netflix special partner, Moshe Kasher. What's notable about that is Natasha first broke out in stand-up for performing as a sort of character on stage. As we talk about in the interview, the show reflects a shift as her persona merged with who she is in her everyday life and who she is in her real life merged a bit with who she is on stage. We're going to be playing the version from her 2015 stand-up special Live at Bimbo's, but the joke has even grown since as she's been to Burning Man herself. So here is Natasha talking about Burning Man, and then her talking about talking about Burning Man, recorded weeks before she's about to go to Burning Man again, at her truly beautifully designed Eastside L.A. home. Enjoy! So I am getting married, thank you. I never wanted... I never really wanted to get married. I definitely didn't want to get married. I, like, I don't want to have a wedding. I don't want to do vows. I just want to do concerns. <laughs> I have a few concerns. Um, first one, how attached are you to this Burning Man tradition? <laughs> do you guys know what Burning Man is? It's like... It's a great place to go breastfeed your pet ferret. Um, and he really wants me to go. I mean, if I wanted to be a part of a dysfunctional community of white people in the desert, I'd move to Arizona. There's no showers. I need two baths a day. I know there's a drought happening. Maybe my two baths will mean people in Barstow don't get bagels. But you know what? Something I have learned to deal with. My friends will like, my friends will go to Burning Man. They're like, I go there to meet dudes. Okay, if I wanted to have sex with some creepy dude in goggles, I'd stay home and fuck a welder. <laughs> At least then I wouldn't have to listen to didgeridoo solos in between orgasms. <laughs> like these, I'm sorry if anyone here is really into Burning Man, but just like, I've never been. I've never been, and I hate it, but like. <laughs> People talking like I heard this guy bragging. He was like, he goes to Burning Man every year. He's like, yeah, my kid doesn't have a burst. Oh, because they're all. This is what I have to say. They're all obsessed with being off the grid. You know, like they don't want to be a part of like society. So I heard this guy bragging. He's like, yeah, my kid doesn't have a birth certificate or a social security number. I'm like, oh really? Well, I wonder who in 50 years is going to be doing yard work for middle class Latino families. <laughs> Your child. So my boyfriend, I have to tell you the story. So my boyfriend really wanted me to meet, is this the Burning Man table right here? <laughs> so my boyfriend really wanted me to meet his friend. He's like, we go to Burning Man together every year. You know, she's so awesome. Turns out she's one of those girls who's like really awesome to men and then a total bitch to women. <laughs> and so let me just set the stage. So she's this white chick, red dreadlocks. We're in Austin. I'm talking to her. Okay, first of all, she has a tattoo of angel wings on her breastplate. Okay, wrong side. (laughs) 
And her name is Flapjack. And so, Flapjack is sitting there holding court, and she starts, do you guys know her? Because everyone has to have their own name. Okay, so, she, so Flapjack is holding court, and she starts bragging about dumpster diving. And so I'm assuming she's talking about an art project, you know, because everyone at Burning Man's like, oh, here's my art project, and they just bedazzled a school bus. So I'm like, oh, is this for your art project? And she goes, not for art, for food. And so I start freaking out because I think I've offended her. So, I, it's, you know, now it's like I'm his fiance. I'm trying to be nice. I'm like, oh, well, you know, sometimes uh, I used to waitress and I would steal people's chicken wings off their plate. So I totally get what you mean. And this girl turns to me and says, oh, you're not a square at all, are you? Okay, first of all, I love the idea of a stuck-up bitch who dumpster dives. Oh, I'm such a square with my birth certificate and car insurance and unpierced genitals and food I've put in a refrigerator like a real loser. So then I wipe my ass with a vegan wrap and threw it in the closest trash can for a flapjack to munch on. So I'm here with, with the comedian behind that joke, Natasha Leggero. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for coming. So before even the joke was written, and, um, and it has kind of so many jokes inside of it, but what kind of made you first want to do a joke about Burning Man? Oh, because it's so counter to my character and my being. And unfortunately, I married into Burning Man. It's part <laughs> of my marriage that I go. So I've been, I've actually been, this will be my third time coming up. So my friend was like, you're officially a burner. But I'm very reluctant. The thing about comedy is like any, anywhere where you can put yourself that doesn't feel like, you know, comfortable. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where jokes come it's like comedians have a certain sense of a thing that's like, oh, there might be a joke here. And it's either like discomfort or a thing that makes them angry or frustrated. Especially when I was starting out, like going to places that I hated, I'd always get the best jokes, like yeah. in line at Rite Aid or in line at the DMV trying to get, you know, my insurance. Like, like I had some like weird number they would put on the back of my car mm -hmm. and I would always have some hustle every month. Like, and it took so much energy and I would get so angry, but like, that's what happens as you get more money and more successful than yeah. you sometimes, ha you know, like I'll, I hate going to the store. So I'll like sometimes pay someone to go to the store. And then it's like, well, now I don't have any jokes because I'm sitting at my yeah, house. It's hard to make a joke about. Yeah. So, you pay to the, pay so to go to the store. as a comedian, you have to keep surrounding yourself with, uh, you know, as you know, probably as any kind of artist, yeah. you want to make sure you're still like really in the world as much as possible. So, yeah. So, I mean, going to Burning Man, believe me, if you went to Burning Man, you would become a comedian and have an act about Burning Man. Yeah. I mean, when I, I lived in San Francisco for a time and I lived with those people and that alone was like, oh, I can't even live with them in the apartment that I agreed to. <laughs> the idea that we'd be surrounded by desert and like not Internet sounds to be a true nightmare. Well, I mean, Burning Man is so many things, but like hippies have always kind of been my 
natural enemy in a way, like just growing up. I, mm. I didn't like people who smoked pot or listened to the Grateful Dead. Although I did recently watch that Grateful Dead documentary and fell in love with them, even though I still hate the music. Did you hear? Did you watch it? I did not watch it because I don't like the music. Tri- no, I know. I don't either. I tried after I watched it. I tried so hard <laughs> to get into it. I still couldn't. I just kept playing Sugar Magnolia over and over. But but they're fascinating and, you know, um, but but that subculture yeah. has always been not my favorite. Yeah. So once you decide there's something there, you know, on a practical level, how do you start writing? The best gifts in comedy are because I talk about this girl yeah. who Moshe introduced me to. And like still when I do that joke, I'm like, did she really say that to me? And she did. Cause she was just being a bitch. Yeah. So it's like when someone just says something to you and at the time you're like annoyed and pissed off and in a bad mood. And then like you slowly process it, you bring it up a few more times mm-hmm. and then you're like, Oh wait, I can just totally get revenge on her yeah. and make fun of it on stage. Like, And, for and some of it you yeah. make, you know, like some of it I made up, like her name wasn't flapjack, but there are people at Burning Man named Flapjack or there was someone named. And I just thought that was the stupidest name that someone had because they all have playa names. I don't know why. Do you have a playa name yet? I t- I, yeah, mine's Nat- uh, Moshe's girlfriend. <laughs> that's that's as far as I got. Did she actually have wings on her breastplate? Yes. Really? That's. You've never seen that? I feel like I've seen I, that a couple times. I guess so. I guess in, you're right because it's like. And what's great about that part is I didn't even think that was funny. And then like I said that and everyone would always laugh. So I was like, oh, it's sometimes it's like you don't know what people will find funny. And what's great about comedy is like it gets the same amount of laugh every night. So yeah. no matter where you are. So you're like and then some things don't get the laugh. So it's like, you know, the, the audience does kind of know. Did you then go back and add the sort of first part where you go through the... You well, just I had sent- to set it up. Yeah. I had to set up what this is. And it's like, you know, the I start... I, I don't know if I say it in this bit, but I start off saying it's like the Holocaust. Oh, no. <laughs> I say it's like if, if the Holocaust had bongos. But the thing is, like, there's so much about it that is like, what is happening you know, like there, the part that was the Holocaust that I wanted to write a joke about, but I never kind of got to it was that Dr. Bronner's has a booth there mm-hmm. and everyone gets naked and you're in line and they're playing like trant, like, like just like drum and bass and everyone's dancing in line naked. And then you get into this like, like little cabin at see through and they spray you down with Dr. Bronner's foam mm-hmm. and you're like, pu- like pushed up against like other people's like butts and it's gross. And then they spray you down and then they spray you with water and then everyone comes out clean. And so it like really feels like some kind of like death camp type kind of. And that's like, honestly, that was one of the best things I did. Yeah. Because I was so dirty. (laughs) But you you, want to set it up, you know. So the the sort of first part where you kind of like go through things you don't like and then it's like pretty set up punchline-y. Is that something like you'll like? pen and paper right or because it they are so joke jokes or is it just sort of you like bring up things you don't like and then see like are you writing there was probably like 20 ideas on that and then it's like many of them don't get laughs (laughs) you know you just have to do trial and error and you know you just end up honing down to for for me i like to uh I, I write on a legal pad sometimes and just try to force myself to like write three pages and see what comes up. And 
what do you want to make fun of? I mean, I think it's important to say that people want to be off the grid because yeah. I tour and I don't think people really quite understand what it is because it's not a music festival. The music there sucks. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know what the music is. It's like, not music. Yeah. So the the joke that you mentioned, which is that there's these off the grid people and then someone's like, oh, my kid doesn't even have a birth certificate or a social security number. Uh, and the joke which you say, which is, uh, really just a very good joke, which is like, I wonder who's going to be doing yard work for a middle-class Latino family one day. I mean, I didn't say that to someone. <laughs> I know. That'd be, that'd be one perfectly worded off the cuff. But, is you know, a joke like that, that came from an idea you wanted to get at first, and then you had to figure it out. Yeah, because it's like these people are really proud. I mean, I guess it's like the kind of people who don't vaccinate or, you know, people who are like proud to yeah. like not be part of what everyone else is doing kind of thing. But like also come from, I mean, there's a certain amount of privilege, privilege they come to that they're deciding to be off the grid. That's true. Yes. It's like a mix of people who like have the means to vaccinate and they're like, oh no, we're not doing that because we're, we're beyond that. We've like pushed through. To right. The other side. And the same thing about the, the Freegans. Is that in the special? Yeah. Like these people, and there, there's a lot of them at Burning Man and they're, they like hang out. First of all, it's like elite. Like it's like you have to be part of this like elite email chain. Mm -hmm. And then you get like an email saying like there's chicken at the Trader Joe's. And like who would you hear it from? Like it's all like yeah. underground. And then this at least what the girl told me who, who had a bandana on her elbow. And she was like, I have a gluten rash. And so they're both <laughs> freegans, but also have allergies that yes. they make up. They have allergies and they're hanging out eating in dumpsters. Although this girl in particular said that she quit when she found raw chicken. But they don't think of it as like gross. They think yeah. of it as like part of like society. Like I guess it's expired food or yeah. something. Yeah, and they're part of – I mean I had a roommate who uh, was like a videographer and an editor who slept on the floor and was a freegan but like had incredibly expensive camera equipment. That he was, would say freegan? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's part of people's, you know, way of dropping out. And yeah. if you do watch the Grateful Dead documentary, you too will want to tune in, turn wait, tur tune in, turn on, drop out. I think so. Turn. That sounds right. Tune in, turn on, drop out. Why not? Although I I draw the line at food. <laughs> so that's where you. Yeah, like, I'll take acid. Well, one thing the Grateful Dead did, who I'm obsessed with now, so maybe I am a burner, yeah. they would just dose people. Like, they, if you see them on that YouTube, like, Playboy Radio, if you go on YouTube, they're, they're on, the, or not Playboy Radio, uh, Playboy After Dark. Yeah. They, uh, they just, like, put acid in everyone's cup, including um, Hugh, what's his name? The main Hugh guy? Hefner. Hugh Hefner's cup, and it's like, everyone just, tur it turned into this amazing party, because they dosed everybody. Which is... I mean, I guess it's a time where you're allowed to do that, but like, if you I went mean, to a party a and you did, <laughs> I mean, it's like cool to hear about, but like, if it happened, no, to you... I know. I went to a party and someone dosed my friend, and I was kind of mad. Yeah, it was a woman who's like really successful, and she thought it would be really funny to like dose one of her writers, and I, I remember thinking like, that's awful. But now, you know, I want it. If it were the '60s, I would want someone to put some acid in my drink. It's yeah, it's yeah, because she's her boss. Also, you're just like there's probably power <laughs> structures involved that like make this dance for me person. Right. That is kind of weird. Um, in the in the special, 
she calls you a square and then you go like, oh, I'm real square with my birth certificate. And then you can go, which is like a callback, but like a entrenched callback. I, I didn't know. even realize that was a callback. <laughs> I was wondering. I, was I think wondering. I was trying different things. And I don't remember what I said in that, but I think I've changed it since then. Because now I say um, my car insurance, my birth certificate, my, my car insurance and my valid ID mm-hmm. and my food. I've bought at a grocery store like a real nerd. <laughs> And yes. whenever I said nerd, people would start. Because sometimes I would say loser. You know, you just kind of like try different things. And also throw like, it out there. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think because I, I saw you recently and you said the nerd. And nerd was like a good word for your voice. Yeah, because they also, the, the, the undertones of people like that are that you're not cool. Yeah. That they're cool for eating in the garbage at 35. Just that that's like elite. They're like, oh, we got off the grid. And then just like recreate a high school power structure. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> In general, do you like? I guess that callback was accidental. Do you do you have a general callback philosophy? I wish I had. Like, I've studied certain comedians when I used to open for them, and I would see like callbacks are a trick that if you and I do think that some comedians, maybe myself included, feel a little like cheap when you do that. Yeah, no one really. But the I, audience loves them, and honestly. When I started comedy, I had way more of them because I was trying to do them, but they they work so well. Like I had this joke about toilet babies and I would always, one thing I figured out from being on the road, I would ask a woman, what's your baby's name? Yeah. You know, and then she'd be like, oh, you know, my baby's name is Arthur. Oh, that's cute. Or, you know, is it a boy baby, whatever, girl baby. And then when I'm doing the act... Or I'm doing that bit. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes later, I'm like, and then the baby comes out. Oh, baby Arthur. And everyone just explodes because <laughs> everyone feels like they're in on some, like, joke, yeah. you know? So it's like little things like that can really, like, make your set 30% funnier. <laughs> I got to get more of those. So you're still working on it. But, I mean, to a point where, you know, this was recorded and it was somewhat finished there's a certain sort of argument about like Burning Man is bad that exists in this version of it. At what point do you feel like, okay, I've, it's done. Like at what point is a joke done? I mean, honestly, I want to get a new bit about it when I go next Again. week, <laughs> just because it's, it's such a, it's, it's such a crazy, like, do you know what um like rhythmic gymnastics is? I feel like I do. I think I th- that's I've heard what the word. it is or I've... no, it's like some kind of like improvised, like, they pretend in slow motion that they're like beating each other up and falling and dancing. Like there's a coffee shop there. (laughs) No, maybe that's not rhythmic gymnastics. It's called, I I don't know. I I can't remember what it's called. I posted about it last year when I went, but like in the middle of the coffee shop where everyone goes to drink coffee um, every day, there's like these guys like seriously doing this like weird improvisational, um, like, slow motion dance stuff where oh it's like contact improv contact improv i think that's what it's called it is the stupidest thing i've ever seen yeah and everyone's taking it so seriously and there's just shit like that on every corner of the playa so i would like to keep talking about it and i haven't heard a lot of people talk about because comedians are like i'm not fucking going to that but the fact that i'm forced to go to the this festival through my marriage uh, i'm not forced to go and and there are cool things about it too, which I should also mention. Um, we can talk about those later. Okay. <laughs> but so, but it's. Uh, let me ask this: Would you, let's say you you went again and you started? I mean, I, I've seen you recently, as you said. You the joke has even evolved since. Would you record another version 
that had s- some of the stuff that is in this. Like, in, in terms of, which, I mean, some comedians do. You like, tell me what the rules are. I don't know <laughs> what the rules are. For me, I always want to repeat stuff because I'm like, people probably didn't see it on my Comedy Central special. So if I'm doing a different special, I want to put the best stuff in. But yeah. then, you know, some comedians are like, I would never repeat anything. What do you think? I think, I'm actually, I, I recently saw Maria Bamford do essentially the her Netflix special again. She's like, has anyone seen my act? And my and some people said yes. Like, well, I, I'm tired and I can't do that much. And it killed again and I laughed again. I think. She, and it was stuff she had already done in another special? Yeah, like, I'd say like 75% of her material was this thing that she did in a special that came out like two months ago. <laughs> and but she's so good. I yeah, mean. But I also think I've listened to albums that are comedy albums more than once and I still laugh. I think. I'm glad to hear you say that because I, yeah, like, I feel like people are so militant about it. I don't know. It seems like you're just kind of hurting yourself in a way. I think it's the people that are militant about it. It's like they've got, they've learned that somewhere. Like, I think there's like, it's like the type of people that think every, everyone steals jokes. Right. Who don't know anything. And, but they have rules of comedy that, that are like, oh, you can never repeat where I think people that are a little bit more open-minded to the creative process. I like the idea of this is your life and things that your, your, right, your own perspective on the story changes, your own perspective on these same jokes changes. And it gets better. Yeah. I mean, like, sometimes I'll, you know, if, if I'm on YouTube, the first things, like if I put my name in, the first things that come up are like very unformed versions of jokes of me. Because, you know, yeah. they take down all the like professionally shot stuff. So it's like stuff for my specials not up there. And it's like very unformed. Um, and that's what people see. So yeah. you almost I'm, want them to see like a better version. I th- but I think, I mean, as a person, and if I reflect a type of comedy fan, and I, I don't know, but I, I think I, I hope to, which is like, Anything that sort of reflects the process, I think, is interesting. You know, like, um, painters do the same thing more than once. And you're like, oh, it's interesting that that painting of a guitar now has, like, it was this amount of triangles. And now it's, like, 40 triangles or whatever. Or uh, There's the rub with comedians because, like, if you compare them to musicians... The problem is, like, music strikes this emotional chord, yeah. and you can hear songs, like, a million times, and it makes you cry every time, and or makes you feel something every time, whereas, like, jokes, the surprise, the twist, yeah. it's not as fun, you but, know? But I do think there's a... Once you hear it. Yeah, but I think there's... The rhythm is different, and also, but you could... If anything changes, it still reframes it. I think the exact words a comedian says is both really important, but also unimportant in so much as you are still experiencing Burning Man. Like, it's not like if you're revisiting your jokes about Jersey Shore, right? If you did that, you'd be like, it's weird that you... Right, because no, it's not on. This is still part of your life and also (laughs) um, in a very different way. And I also think your... I mean, this was 2015. I mean, even... I think your... Which I want to talk more, your persona has shifted even that and i think there's something interesting about seeing it reframed that way if that makes sense it's always shifting we'll be back with more in the top of the arrow after this word from hi it's me jesse you know from the podcast I, I just want to take a moment for me talking to you to talk to you for a second this is an ad for this podcast which if you've gotten this far into 
you probably like already, so you're halfway there. Now, I would just like you to tell someone. Are you sitting next to a person who is currently feverishly scrolling through their phone, screaming to themselves, what is a podcast I could listen to? You know, tell them, good one. Or maybe go, invisibilia and good one. Uh, if you're not sitting next to someone doing that, you can just rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, I'll say you're good on a future episode of the show. So, for example, uh, T-Troy, which I have to imagine is short for Troy Troy. You're good, Troy Troy. Uh, or another example, uh, Brooklyn Her, which I have to assume is a sentient phone that you can fall in love with that lives in Brooklyn. Uh, you are good, Brooklyn Her. See? That could be you. Now back to the show. We are back with Natasha Leggero. So, you know, you have a way of sort of attacking a subject or... Do you feel like your comedy has an agenda? I think that if you started with that, it might not be good. <laughs> yeah. So I think that you have to just kind of talk about the things that annoy you. Mm. And that you, for me, it's usually things that annoy me or that I find stupid or absurd. Well, I guess, less than, I guess less than agenda. Do you feel like there's a certain theme of the things that annoy you? I mean, obviously politics, but I don't have, you know... I don't have like a firm chunk yet because it's just, that's a hard one to approach too, because everyone feels like they have to be a political comedian. Now we should all be political comedians, but it's like, what am I going to say? That's different than what I'm going to work on a, a bit about Jared Kushner going to jail. Like no one even cares about that anymore. It's like 20 things have happened each day since then, but an agenda. Um, I mean, I think if I had an agenda, it would be to like, bring glamour back a little bit and like intelligence and sophistication and you know people like Moshe is always like oh that's out sophistication's out but I just feel like there'll always be people who you know will be drawn to that yeah it's it's interesting because highbrow is like not a thing people are allowed to like like anymore people like everything has to be like the the highest art is really good television shows and like, and <laughs> I feel funny. like, and I feel like your act is like, no, there's like painting and like nice well, it, it, clothing. It's, it's hard when you like go to college for so long. And I was like in an acting school forever. And then in, it took me like nine years to graduate college. And, you know, I majored in theater criticism. So I was like <laughs> constantly seeing theater and critiquing it and you know, it's then you move here to LA and like no one even knows what vaudeville is. Like people just have like this big empty. Yeah. They they just don't understand things. And then it's like then you have like the Kardashians and it just keeps happening. Like yeah. I mean, I guess I want people to think. Yeah. And I want people to I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't want to try to have an agenda, I guess. No, it, you just it, have to be yourself. Yeah. So I was preparing for this interview and what I found really interesting was the a person that you sort of like credit as helping shape the persona that you are on stage. When you tell the story about the the Australian con artist, you mentioned you always mentioned that he like went to the first Burning Man. Oh yeah, he did. I was just thinking about that. So I, but I didn't a, go with him. I, so I know it's a it's a, a long story, but if you can at least give the listeners a brief understanding of who this person was and what and more in terms of the influence of the the way you talk or the way you present yourself on stage? Well, I'd say my first influence before that was I was a child actress and I was Estella in Great Expectations and she was like a heartless bitch. 
And I kind of didn't draw the line of like, oh, I'm not this person. Yeah. Like I kind of thought that that's who I was then. You were so method that you're just like, I'll just be this person forever. I was so inexperienced. I was like, oh, this is a cool person. And she was just like a bitch. Like her mother raised her to hate men and be really cruel to them. That was probably my first one. But then this guy, I was in New York. I was probably like 21, 22. Kylie's age. And I really wanted someone sophisticated. And he came in and he could like order wine. And he uh, basically, he, but he was an absurd person. You know, he had no money. He was a con artist, but he made it seem like he was uh, really rich. And mm-hmm. so I moved there to be with him. But the kinds of things he would do, you know, like I had to get a job to support us. So I would be a waitress and then I would bring I bring the $60 I'd make to try to pay for rent. And he'd be like, let's go on a picnic. And so we would take I was like, but we can't spend all our money. He's like, yes, we can. And we must yeah. take this route because that's where the roses will be blowing. And then we'll smell the roses on our way. And then we'll, you know, spend spend all the money on on uh, on on cheese and champagne. And so then uh, basically we would do that. But I'm, here's where I started to realize he was crazy. We would be on a bus and everyone thought we looked like an insane couple because I was so young looking and he was a very old, like 43. Like he looked, <laughs> and I was hard like, and he was a hard 43. And I was, a, I looked like I was 15 when I was like 20 mm-hmm. and we were on this bus because we had to take the bus everywhere but he would act like we were taking a private limo like it was his own private limo Mm -hmm. and we were sitting on the bus and all of a sudden he yells he's like driver to the bus driver driver does this bus go to bondi beach and the bus driver was like i don't know read the sign (laughs) and he was like are you assuming sir that i can read and he would like put his toss his scarf over his shoulder and then he's like my wife and i are leaving this this bus and, like, he just had all these stupid, like, he, he just would, you know, he was absurd. Yeah. And he, and he shoplifted. Like, we would be at the grocery store, and then I would see that he would, like, be stealing potatoes. But, like, he would just act like, you know, don't worry about it. This is just what we do. Like, it yeah. was, yeah. So I think just this person who's, and then I was, like, really poor for the first 10 years of my career, where like I had no money, but I always wanted to be really rich. And so, you know, go going to a DMV or a Rite Aid and having to like deal with that. Yeah. I think I kind of like, you know, he, he kind of, uh, you know, lived in me in that way. And as, as a joke too, yes. but well, I think, did I explain it? Okay. It's a really long story. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> if you want to hear the full story, her WTF appearance is a large part of that. So with, with the, persona do you think of it as a character did you think of it as a character did you used to write for it as a character it's weird because like i did this special this um not a special but it was like a one person show when people were doing that mm-hmm. and it was called love is for poor people and i watched it and i was like i think i was like five years into comedy but i was talking with a british accent like i was like what i didn't realize and then you know, then i was like it's so hard because you know, it's hard to find the right tone for it because yeah. you do want to like do a little bit of a persona. But then I was just reading when I was looking for a bit for you, I was reading some review came up for my for my album Coke Money. And they said it's really great, except for the first track where she's channeling Thurston Howe or who's the guy from um, 
whoever the guy is from Gilligan's Island, the old rich man. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, once that's over, you can really get into it. And then some people are like, it's so much better when you play a person. So it's hard because yeah. everyone has an opinion where you should go with it and how, how heightened much? you should be. Yeah, because usually, I think both albums, you start with full character. Like, you do like... I'm not trying to be. I just am like, attracted to jokes like that. You know? Well, it's like, like an, it's a different... It's interesting because it's a different type. It's a completely different type of joke because essentially it's like, you're doing this ironic character where what they say is wrong. And then like, it's a, what's interesting is like, especially over time you like now go, it's like a, a wave of sort of in and out. Right. Well, I also think up top, it does get people ready yeah. in a way to think like, I'm not just some like silver, like bitch who's <laughs> going to like start making fun of stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. So that's another step in my comedy that I did figure out was like dressing up really helped. Yeah. Because then I could get away with a little more. Why not to now? This is it's interesting even for me. This feels like dissecting a little bit too much. But essentially, like doing a joke in fully in characters, like your way of addressing that you know how you look, and then you can like be just a version of it that is both yourself and this thing. Yes, but I do think that it it is the cool thing about being a comedian. I think the best comedians change over yeah. time you know like even if you look at sarah silverman like you know she's changed so much so much and you yeah. know and and just kind of it's just her it's very natural to her and you know for me it's like i spent so much of my stand-up like not wanting to be married and not wanting to have kids and you know now i'm like married and trying yeah. to have kids and it's like you you have to kind of address that and it's hard you know because you want to make sure that you couldn't you can't just go on stage and do old jokes that don't reflect who you are anymore. And then be like, and now I'm going to do this joke that you, you you have, you can't just do the jokes that are, I can't, you have, you had jokes about breaking up with people and like all the money is gone. Right. And, it's like, run out of and now money. I'm trying to have a kid and it's. Yeah. You <laughs> can't, I mean, I wouldn't do those jokes yeah, anyway anyone, yeah. now. Cause it's like, they're so old, but yeah. I think that I'm still in like the way, the, the area where I'm kind of finding what it is. I think the new the new thing. I think what what is really interesting, you know, especially preparing for this and kind of going through older material through newer, and then also like just knowing how you also dress off stage or like like what your house is presented at. It's like in so much as there. What's your what's your uh, read on my house? It's so, it is. <laughs> uh, I've been talking about for a while how excited I was to see it. <laughs> Really? Because one, I've heard people talk about how nice it is. And then also, like, you're a very stylish person. But it, it's not like, oh, she dresses, like, in this era. It's sort of like a mix of things. So this doesn't seem like it's a throwback house. It there It is modern enough. And obviously, like, there's a fainting couch. That's true. But it doesn't feel like a, a set. Oh, that's good. I think that is the, right? It doesn't feel like a costume. I think that's, like, anytime people, like, have a look, the concern is that they're, like, look like they're halloween but like <laughs> but it feels like lived in and there's enough things that are contemporary how do you feel like the persona has influenced your regular self i guess in my everyday life if i try to respond to people mm. like my persona it's like sometimes you get a laugh and then sometimes you just bomb people are like what are you talking about why are you so mean yeah you know but i do try to like throw stuff out there you know if i'm just talking to a stranger on a plane about children i'll try to like throw stuff out there and then you know sometimes they'll laugh and then sometimes they're like they seem genuinely worried yeah because you're not on stage <laughs> yeah. you know so so that does that answer it a little bit yeah so. <laughs> um 
always in your act, you'll nod to your upbringing that is in contrast to your persona. Um, why? Or why is that important, do you think? The main reason is because I need more stuff to talk about. <laughs> and, like, that's a part of me, too. Yeah. But I think, you know, if I were to analyze it, it is, it does make me a little, you know, it just fills out who I am in a way that's, like, I didn't go to, like, Harvard or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you want people to know that, and also it's inspiring. It's like, you, too, can reinvent yourself if you're from the dregs of the country. To analyze it a little bit, it, there's, like, you uh, play with, like, high status and low status is uh, how some people put it, where, like, you know, and and I think it, it, it ties into, and I want to tie into, like, another period you do that a lot, where it's, like, you've like have this show where you like get to dress in these sort of Gilded Ace costumes and then everything, every episode is sort of the antithesis of what you would expect in a person that's dressed that way. What do you think attracts you to that sort of contrast? I have always kind of been obsessed with high status and low status. And even in acting school, we would talk about it a lot. Yeah. And, you know, there are some people who can kind of only play high status or only play low status. And so I've just always just been kind of secretly fascinated by that. And, um, and I, I mean, I think I like playing them both the mm -hmm. same, um, but in another period, it's fun because we're almost able to incorporate both yeah. because we're these very high status people, but we have terrible morals. Um, uh, you know, we're from like new, new money. So we kind of don't have class. Mm -hmm. Um, we just have all the trappings of wealth. So it's like, it's a great encapsulation of being able to do both at the same time. <laughs> so that sound means it's time for our final segment which is the laughing round which is like a lightning round but because comedy it's a laughing round oh okay i didn't get to this part when i listened to the other podcast <laughs> i feel like i had a sense that you didn't because i feel like i would have said um, we're not doing this exactly oh man i've heard you say that you only want to play a city if it has a modern art museum yes that's true and sparkling water and ability to get an abortion is there a modern artist whose work you find funny or a piece of work that you find funny? That I find funny? Yeah, but not like, ha, 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 funny, but like, that's funny. Um, I mean, I wouldn't exactly call modern art funny, but I'd say that my favorite artists are like, I mean, I, I really like, this is really, everyone does, but I, I, I like, you know, Picasso and Brock and, I, you know, I, I'm, into, I'm into that genre. Do you know who... Florine Stedheimer is. Yes, I just went to her exhibit. I loved, and she, her stuff was kind of funny. Yeah, that's why I was, I was at like the Jewish Museum. It was, was exactly I was like, what I like. She asked me, I'd be like, "Well, I'll have this Florine Stedheimer example." It was great. I actually ordered one of her posters, like to frame. Oh, which I literally whatever one they had. But yes, that is well. What I loved about her is because Moshe, we went to this exhibit at the Jewish Museum, and he's like, "This woman. I mean, it's like she's clearly a rich person." Yes, that's and that's when you say like you know, why do you mention where you're from? Because I'm not from a place where it's like all she, she was only at like world fairs at the <laughs> yes. front in a circus for her, for her birthday party, yeah. and, you know, when she's 30. And it's just like the most rich, like, you know, she's sailing off the, you know, Antibes. And this is what she saw. Like, she was just like extremely yes. wealthy. Um, but it was, it was kind of had, it had whimsy. And um, her paintings are how I feel on the inside. If you could be another comedian for a set, like you're in their body, you're doing their act, but you're 
you could like ride along their brain. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Who would it be? Probably Zach Galifianakis, just because I know he doesn't do a lot of stand up, but whenever I do a show with him, like the things that like that pop out of his brain are like always the funniest thing. I mean, he's just so funny. And the way he's able to connect things, I think it would be. I mean, I don't know what I would get from it, but. <laughs> nice time. Um, is there a joke? The absurdity of, of yeah. whatever that is. Is there a joke that you have that uh, has never, ever worked that you will always think is funny? And maybe you're still trying, but you'll go to the grave knowing it's funny, but no one else agrees. That's a good question because I, I know that there's a bunch. Oh, I used to do a joke about my dad like how all Italians think they're in the mob and they all pretend like they're your friends, but it just never, or, or they all pretend like they're really important, but they like work at the cleaners, mm -hmm. but I could never really get it to work. Oh yeah. And then my dad said this to me. I was like, do you want to go? He, Cause he's obsessed with being Italian, but I'm like, well, why don't you go to Italy? Cause his girlfriend wanted to go to Italy. And he's like, what do I got to go to the old country for? And that's so funny to me that someone would say that. Yeah. But, like, it never got a laugh on stage. That's, like, literally an episode of The Sopranos where one of those guys <laughs> oh, go. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. The, one of the guys, they, they're, they're working with the Italian mom or whatever, and they go, and he's like, well, they don't have sauce? And you're like. Oh, he goes to Italy? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. The, one of the henchmen people, and he's like, literally, it's just a fish out of water story for a person. Right, because they're so obsessed with their Italian lore in their small town. Or, well, Sopranos, at least, is like a yeah. bigger, you know, they're actually in the mob. Yes. But my dad will, like, drive in his lowrider car around Rockford, Illinois, and honk at his fellow Italians and think he's, like, living the life. He's connected. He's, yeah. No one has any power, but they're connected to each other. I should try it again. Maybe there's sometimes, like, there's not enough setup. or You're not mm. explaining. Like, this man calls himself Johnny Legs and has a vanity plate that says that. And, yeah. You know, it's like sometimes you got to set it all up. I think it's. Well, I think there's a lot of potential. That's it for another episode of Good One. You can listen to live at Bimbo's wherever you stream music, or watch it on the Comedy Central app. The third season of Another Period premieres on January 23rd on Comedy Central. Follow Natasha on Twitter at Natasha Legero. Good One is produced by Jennifer Lai and Sarah Bartlett. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Have a good one.